Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Hi, Omis. Registration is now open for our first back-in-person event since the pandemic. The 2022 I Believe Survivorship Seminar will take place this year in Nashville, Tennessee. Join Acure Insight along with Dr. David Reichstein, Tennessee Retina, top physicians and experts for two days of workshops and educational sessions chock full of info and tools to help you survive and thrive with an ocular melanoma diagnosis. Of course, we'll mix in a bit of Nashville-style fun along the way. For those attending in person, we hope to see you at our welcome reception the evening of October 13th, so please plan your travel accordingly. You can reserve your hotel room using the link provided at the time of registration, or you can book your own preferred nearby favorite hotel. If you're unable to attend in person during the registration, simply select attend from home as your option. If you plan to attend in person or online, please register as soon as possible using the link in the show notes or head to tinyurl.com slash I believe 2022. And that's I spelled E-Y-E. After you register, again, just be sure to finalize your travel plans and reserve your room at a hotel there or nearby. Please email contact at acureinsight.org with any registration questions. Share the news with your fellow Omis. We can't wait to finally see you again. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the I Believe podcast. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, and I'm here with Kenny Rains from The Man Cave, which is our OM group of guys. And um, we were going to have a couple other people come on, but things didn't quite work out with the schedule. So I'm here with Kenny, and I'm going to introduce him in just a couple minutes. Before I get started, uh, just quick housekeeping. We have uh, two 5Ks coming up, so if you are in the area of Phoenix and you would like to participate in the 5K in Phoenix, then that is gonna happen on September 24th. Registration details are still forthcoming, but just know that that's coming up soon. And then there's also going to be a 5K in Texas. I'm not positive on the exact location. I know that's like a large area, Um, but the Texas one is going to be in November. And so again, registration details coming on that. And then our last thing that I wanted to just make a quick announcement for is we have the patient meeting happening on October 14th and 15th. And if you are planning to attend in person, there is a welcome reception on October 13th. So um, after we are done here with this broadcast, I will go ahead and uh, drop the link for the registration for the patient meeting in the comments below this video. That way, if you want to register and you want to come and hang out with us in Nashville, then you can go ahead and get registered and snag your spot. Um, At the moment, we have a hotel area that we're going to be in, so you are going to need to make sure to follow your registration link to the hotel, and then you can reserve your hotel as well. Okay, that's all that I have for that. Um, Thank you for all of you who are sharing and helping spread awareness this month for Men's Health Awareness Month. So in light of that, I'm happy that we have Kenny on to tell his story and just talk a little bit about like 
well, really just to tell it, tell it like it is about how the ocular melanoma diagnosis affects you. Um, so Kenny, I'm going to go ahead and, and turn it over to you so you can t introduce yourself and then we can go from there. All right. Thanks, Danette. I appreciate it. So my name is Kenny Rains. Uh, I live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I've got one son named Zane Rains. And uh, so I also have a couple dogs, Zara, who's a Great Dane, and Rosie, who's a big German Shepherd. Um, uh, I was diagnosed with ocular melanoma uh, back on August 31st of 2021. Uh, had my surgery, uh, the brachytherapy, on uh, at the end of September, beginning of October, up at Mayo, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, and, and now am starting to move uh, towards the tumor shrinking in my eye, which has been a big uh, success. I get a Vastin shots in my eye every three months to try to reduce the uh, continued vision loss from ocular melanoma. I've effectively not quite gone completely blind in my right eye, um, but have lost, I don't know, maybe 75, 80% of the vision, have, have maintained peripheral vision, which has been great uh, in that I, at least with both eyes open, have uh, an almost complete field of view. It's just slightly fuzzy in the um, left quadrant of my right eye uh, whenever both eyes are open, but I'm able to still drive, I'm able to still do pretty much everything. Uh, went and played some one-on-one -on -one football with couple college football players and, and uh, routed them up and beat them. So still able to catch a football and do things of that nature. Uh, so I've tried really hard to make a point of not letting this limit me in my life and, and honestly trying to use it um, to go for the things that I've been holding off on. You know, when you get diagnosed with cancer at 29, it makes you really think about how much time you really have and you know what are you really waiting on uh, in, in pursuit of some of your lifetime goals and um, definitely am not waiting as long on trying to do everything at like retirement age uh, and, and trying to just do a lot more at, at 30 now just turned 30 back on may 27th and uh, thank you appreciate it and so um you know, that's right now I um, started a new business. This is actually the first I've ever mentioned it to anybody. Danette, you're one of the first people to even find out about this, but I just make stuff, just tinker. I've always been a tinker, hands-on guy. I uh, love to invent stuff. So I uh, started a company called Crafted Concepts where we're going to do that and going to build a 50 by 80 square foot shop here in Hot Springs um, where I just make stuff. And so uh, that was that was something I wanted to do years down the road, and uh, now I just kind of like, man, I'm just going to go for it now and just see what happens. Uh, I'm also head of research and development at Express Boats, uh, which is a company here in Hot Springs. Uh, really have enjoyed this job so far. It's relatively new, about a month in, uh, but has been an awesome opportunity to uh, have a job where I get to engage mentally, and uh, my background is in engineering, so... I uh, have an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. I've got my master's in engineering management and also uh, played college football. Uh, one of only 10 players in all of college football history to have five head coaches in five years uh, up at Arkansas State. And so, uh, you know, I'm 
have really uh, enjoyed this job as an opportunity to, uh, my first day I got out on a boat and went about 69 miles an hour. So uh, pretty, pretty fun thing to do first day in the office. I was actually on a boat today. Uh, we got oh, up to about so 50 cool. today. Yeah. So uh, I uh, grew up going on boating trips when my dad had a boat, but he has since given up the boat because <laughs> it was a little bit too much maintenance um, for the time being. But but boating is a lot of fun. Um, Stands well, for I love that. Um, another thousand. Yes, that is true. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here and just for that introduction, Kenny. Um, so obviously, you mentioned you were diagnosed last year. Can you kind of just talk to us a little bit about what led to your initial diagnosis? You know, what changed with your vision or, you know, what happened initially? So I had a little bit of a scare and in hindsight now I kick myself that I didn't go to an ophthalmologist at the time, but an optometrist actually found a spot in my right eye, a real tiny spot back in 2017 and had warned me that it could potentially be cancer, but it was more than likely just a mole in the back of my eye. And so I didn't think anything else about it. I didn't have any vision problems. Um, he, I kind of just went off his reaction and um, it didn't seem like a big deal to him. And so I didn't take it as a big deal. I, I really kicked myself because I probably could have maintained all my vision had we done something right then and at least got tested. Um, so I, I would highly encourage anybody if they ever find a spot in your eye you need to get your eyes dilated um, have them do a full inspection check out the back of your eye and see if there's any spots um, and if you find anything you need to go right away to an ophthalmologist and get a full scan get a full checkout um, because by the time it actually started affecting my vision in um, 2021 it was significantly bigger um, and it had moved its way into the macula, uh, which you've got the macula and the fovea. Um, I, I hope that I'm explaining this correctly, but anyway, somebody will correct me in the comments later on someday if I'm not. But any, the, the tumor had gone into the macula, and so what was happening is um, the tumor was growing from the bottom right, so I was losing vision from the top left since it inverts. And... What it started out at first in that was just everything started getting a little bit fuzzy. And so I thought it was just maybe needed a new contact prescription. I wore contacts back then. So I went back to the optometrist a couple times and was just like, hey, it's, my eye is just not getting sharp anymore. Uh, and he said, well, you know, give it a few days for your contacts to correct. This is a pretty drastic change in your prescription. Um, and it just never did. And then finally, from the urging of a coworker, thank God, um, she was like, you really need to go to an optometrist. Um, my daughter works for one. She can get you in today if you just run down there and, and go. And um, they set me up on a fundus camera. And um, I actually worked in precision optics for about six and a half years. And so we worked with companies that made fundus cameras and so as soon as I saw the image, I was like, oh crap, that's a tumor. Um, and I, I just still don't really know why, um, you know, probably just the, the difference typically in what you get from an optometrist to an ophthalmologist, but uh, I, I should have in hindsight gone to an ophthalmologist. 
And so once I got that diagnosis, um, it moved extremely quickly. I was in Batesville, Arkansas at the time. And so they sent me to a retina specialist in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. Arkansas does not have um, any um, ocular uh, oncologist in the state. And so I got outsourced to Memphis. And at Memphis was where they made the official diagnosis. Um, can you still hear me? Okay, great. Uh, anyway, so they made the diagnosis there. And uh, Dr. King, who's, who's great and wanted to get a second opinion because I've got some other medical things going on as well. Um, got primary sclerosing cholangitis, which is a liver disease I've had since I was 18. So I was already in the Mayo Clinic system. And so I uh, went up to Mayo Clinic and uh, got a second opinion up there, decided to get my surgery, brachytherapy at Mayo, um, just to kind of stay in the Mayo system, keep everything under one roof. Um, but I had an extremely hard time mentally uh, with the diagnosis. With it, it felt like I was losing more vision every day. Um, by the time it started to get really bad, like really into that macula. And so that really freaked me out. Um, and then of course you start Googling things and seeing how aggressive this form of cancer can be. And so um, kind of gets you started on the worst case scenarios. And um, so, you know, talking about that worst case scenario, and I, I know just because I was able to, you know, talk with you during this period of time, um, I know this was a really hard time for you. So. Do, I mean, you can share as much or as little as you want, but you know, what, what kind of, what happened there emotionally and mentally for you that, that made it so challenging? Yeah, not, not many people know this, but um, I'm bipolar. It's part of what makes me good at being an engineer. Um, I, I'm very creative because of it. It's, I was a team captain in college football. There's a lot of good things that come out of that when it's properly managed, under control. Uh, I know it's still very much a taboo thing to even say that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I would like to just kind of dispel um, some of the underlying perceptions of um, mental conditions. And I, I look at more of a condition than a mental illness um, just because there's a lot of positive things that can come out of it. And a lot of the greatest people in our society have had um, – bipolar several presidents um, some of our greatest inventors so anyway I, I say that as just a background of what really triggers um, my bipolar is whenever um, I start to go without sleep and um, also high stress situations which I came down with pneumonia the same time that I got diagnosed with ocular melanoma and so I was really struggling to sleep because of the pneumonia you pair that with um, you're, you're getting your butt kicked at night by pneumonia and then you've got ocular melanoma, which is, you know, giving you so much food for thought as you're staying up at night coughing your lungs out. And so um, it just made an absolute nightmare. By the time I got the brachytherapy, I actually went into a, a little bit of a manic episode and um, I, I couldn't sleep with a little plate behind my eye. Um, and so I went several days with, without very much sleep at all, which just made things worse. And so um, 
it was very is a very tough situation for me. I, I say that. I hope I don't discourage anybody from doing it. It was totally the right call to do it. Um, I wish circumstances would have been a little bit different so I could have prepared myself a little bit better. Things just moved so fast um, back then. But, you know, I, I think for me it was at least the right call, even though it was a really difficult call. It's like being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And no, it's, so. it's a difficult choice to make as far as like what treatment you're going to go for, um, especially with, I mean, there's, there's so many factors to take into account because you've got the location of the tumor, you've got the size of the tumor, and then you have the, the underlying, you know, what's, what's the actual biopsy material of this tumor, like to our knowledge. Um, and so that, that all kind of plays a role. And for smaller tumors, sometimes those are particularly difficult to decide what to do because it's it's kind of like a, a catch-22. You don't know for sure if you're going to have one that is small enough to be considered low risk or if it's going to be one that's really small but is really high risk. Like There's no way to know for sure until you treat it. Um, and making that decision you know, between just taking the eye and, and doing the brachytherapy, I mean, it's, it's a challenging choice regardless. Um, so I hope you, you know, hope you validate the fact that, that you were not alone in the fact that it was a hard choice to make and that it happened so fast. Um, do you remember just timeline wise, um, if you had to put a date on, you know, maybe when you went in to see the, the ophthalmologist and got the official, like, Oh, there's a tumor in my eye, kind of a picture to actual brachytherapy date. Um, what, what time span was that for you? Yes, time span, the whole thing. I started going fuzzy in June, um, started seeing an optometrist uh, two, three times in July, then started seeing ophthalmologists in August, got diagnosed by Dr. King on August 31st, and then had brachytherapy at the end of September. And so, I mean, that was just bang, bang, bang. Yeah, it moves fast. Um, I think that typically, unless you're actually in the hospital area of like Will's eye, I feel like the four week span is a pretty normal, like from the time of actual diagnosis to brachytherapy treatment, um, or really any treatment. They, it's usually about four weeks, sometimes less. Um, wow. but that's good that it happens. And that's just you know? so fast to, it's so much information. It's overwhelming information, very deep, dark, um, things that really just send you down rabbit holes. And you're having to also make decisions with it. Um, you know, it's, and, you know, I think at least one of the good things uh, that comes out of it, though, is people take you very seriously once you get that diagnosis. You know, there, there is no waiting. Um, it's very much, uh, we're going to get you in as quickly as we can. We're going to give you the best treatment that we can. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. And I think that you see that on, like, the ocular melanoma support site and support groups. You just have these people who are just heartbroken that come in and just like, I don't even know what to do. Um, you know, which is great that, that you all have made a community um, where people can come in though and ask the questions and, and see. And, and also for me, there was just a lot of hope whenever I actually found some of the communities and some of the support groups um, that you all have set up to know that there's people that have made it 10, 15, 20, 30 years uh, with this diagnosis and that it didn't stop their life. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's that's a really good point is that you know in that initial four weeks you know roughly four weeks to maybe let's just say four to eight weeks that everything can feel really overwhelming like you said and it can also feel just like extremely dark and hopeless and like you just you don't know you don't know what's going to happen you don't you don't really know what you're what you're looking at for the rest of your life and and for some people um that i've been able to connect with later on facebook they didn't have any of the support the support groups you know back in 15 20 years ago those those didn't exist and so like it's it's a i guess in in some ways it's a gift like to have that online community to be able to connect with so soon after diagnosis um, and to be able to search things on the internet or on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, like hashtag ocular melanoma, like just to find somebody else who like has gone through it too. Um, because it really is a very rare, it's a very rare thing. And, and when it does happen to you, like, because of, because of how, like, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but maybe you can relate. But for me, it was like, I was, I was suddenly in survival mode and everything like I had to put on the blinders I couldn't really think about anything else and if I did have to think about anything else other than making medical decisions which you know those are hard enough to do to begin with um it was extremely hard to like separate and like focus on you know even just making a decision about like okay should I do a, a little family vacation that we had planned or not and you know my doctor was like yes you should definitely go do that because your treatment will still be here and we're still planning to do it after your vacation. Like just little things like that, but it becomes so much harder to, to see past like how much is happening around you and what's happening to you. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I, I understand that. It's very hard to detach, to be able to make good decisions when you put, you know, you're put in that fight or flight mode, um, that this diagnosis puts you in. You know, I know one of the first things I did is uh, my sister and I went and looked up every white paper on ocular melanoma over the last like 50 years. Um, she read through all those. I read through some of the highlights. And then I went down to the Rochester Library up in Minnesota, and I got just about every book that I could find on cancer. And just, um, I tell you, a, really, a couple fantastic books. One really cool one that I found, um, because you, and, and I'm not recommending anything other than what your doctor would recommend, but a cool resource is called Outside the Box Cancer Therapies. And it's just a book written by a couple MD doctors um, who just go through and they basically, if, if somebody has tried it, they go out and they try to find statistics to show what it did. Um, it's interesting though, because I found a lot of hope in that approach of how do I try to go on offense against this type of cancer you know, in regards to the food that I'm eating, in regards to um, my sleeping habits, in regards to medications, um, what are things that I can do to feel like I'm on offense versus just sitting back and I'm getting pummeled by all these bad diagnoses um, and just this bad news in general, you know, and so um, I, I found it very beneficial to try to just go to a library and just read up as much as I could um, on potential things that I could do. Um, like intermittent fasting was another one that I've, I've read a lot about. Uh, but trying to just find different things that could be used, um, in parallel with the traditional therapies. Oh, I think that's great. And I think that's, 
just what I'm what I'm hearing that you that you did, you know, in response to obviously you had all of the stuff that happened in the first four weeks and and it was insane due to lots of lots of factors that were going on. Um, and then you got through the treatment and and maybe even prior to the treatment, maybe some of this was before you actually had the treatment, but but just going through and finding that information and and learning about what are the things in your control. Um, and to focus on those things, because I think that's that's probably the hardest thing. And you know, maybe maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But I think the hardest thing for me about it was, I love control, <laughs> I crave it, um, and to not have it is really really difficult to navigate. And so I mean, it still is sometimes, even today. You know, I'm almost two years down the road, um, and I know people who are 15 years down the road who it's still kind of one of those those challenging things to just learn to let go of. The things you can't control and focus on the things that you can um, and and sometimes you know translating that then from cancer to just everyday life and from everyday life back to cancer like it, it's a it's a challenge for sure but I think that doing those things finding finding the meaning um, or finding the things that you have control over is probably one of the most powerful things you can do like in the midst of everything yeah and I think that that's um, one of the blessings that cancer can give you is is really just opening your mind up to um, trying to enjoy what you have today versus being caught up in the future of the past. Um, that's what I've at least really tried to do and embrace is uh, trying to just enjoy the moment, each moment as they come in, um, as opposed to, you know, having like scanxiety uh, whenever you have an upcoming scan and being consumed with that, it's just being thankful for the health that I do have today, being thankful for the vision that I do maintain, um, being thankful for the family and love that I have surrounding me. You know, and I uh, had a coach back in college who uh, we had these little bracelets, eat bracelets is what it said, and stood for enthusiasm, attitude, and toughness. And it was three things that you can control. And so I think just looking around at your life and trying to figure out what can I control and what can't I control um, and trying to find as much gratitude as you can uh, for what you have in your life versus what you're missing from your life will really help you out in the mental fight of the cancer battle. All right, I think that's, I mean, just such a, such a good thing to end with. Um, I guess before we, before we say goodbye, and just again, thank you for being on, um, what would you say is, uh, I guess, the, the biggest thing that you've changed, like the, the biggest way that you've changed as a person since your diagnosis? I think for me right now, um, trying to just be um, honest with where I'm at mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and being okay with not being okay on some days. And at the same time, though, balancing that out with, if there are too many days in a row where I'm not okay in one of those arenas, then trying to be realistic with my life, analyzing what's going on, and trying to change something in an effort to set a spark, as well as really pursuing the things that I have wanted to to pursue my whole life because you realize that life is short and um, due to that we should really just try to pursue what I feel like we're uniquely put here to do and for me one of those things is trying to be the best father that I can be and making things 
And so that's what I've really tried to do. That's a great, um, great thing to remind, like, I guess, remind ourselves of all constantly is just that, that idea that, that this, this kind of diagnosis does just remind you that yes, life is short and then what, you know, what are you going to do with that knowledge? What are you going to do with that information? Um, I mean, I think that it's powerful, like the way that you have, I mean, I hate to sound super cheesy. This, this probably sounds super cheesy, but like, I, I just, I admire your comeback from, um, from where you were when you were initially diagnosed and when we first connected to, you know, where you are now and where you are today. Um, the growth, like the growth that you've had as a person, I, like it shows. Um, and I think that it's, that's probably the most powerful thing any of us can take out of this kind of a diagnosis is just to, to look at the things that have changed and that, you know, the ways that we have changed, um, that are, you know, improvements and growth, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we want personal growth. We don't want tumor growth, but we do want personal growth. <laughs> um, and I think that you, you're an excellent example of that. So Kenny, thank you so much. Um, would you mind recapping like maybe that, that favorite book that you mentioned again so that we can grab the title and the, the authors if you have it? Yeah, I, I don't have the authors on hand, um, but I would be more than happy to post that on our group. Uh, but it's called Out, Outside the Box Cancer Therapies. Um, it's, it's got a picture. I can see the, the title of the book in my mind, but it's got a picture of um, an orange that's a square on the front cover. Um, another book that's really good is called Eat to Beat Disease. And both of those books just um, really take a look at what are some things you can do within your control. And both of them are really well researched uh, in regards to the data supporting the claims. So I would check out both those books. Um, it, it would be, I, I had a friend who's uh, got kidney cancer who I, I gave him the Eat to Beat Disease book, uh, but I would check both those out as, as just kind of some fuel uh, to look and figure out, okay, this these are some things that I can try to do. Um, something as simple as a, a really well-researched thing is taking melatonin at night um, has, has been found to be beneficial. So it, it helps you sleep. It's, it's something cheap this and is, easy you can get from good. Walmart, but... Yeah, I, I sometimes oscillate between like, should I take melatonin? Should I not? But I do, I do remember now that in the big giant liver Bible that I have, uh, I have read about that, that melatonin is supposed to be helpful for your overall health and for your liver. And so I'm like, hmm, okay, keep doing that. Um, no, I think that's great. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for dropping the titles of those books and thanks for being here with us and sharing your experience. Um, I feel like this was just a really powerful episode, powerful, powerful interview. Um, like I said, just an awesome comeback that you've been able to share about playing the game, so to speak, of this diagnosis. And if anybody out there watching this, uh, find me on Facebook, Kenny Rains. And um, if you ever have anything that you're just struggling with, especially if you're struggling with the mental side of things, um, I would be more than happy to open up with anybody who has questions about that um, because it's, it's extremely difficult. And just realize that you're not alone, though, in that, in that mental battle with cancer such an important piece um thank you kenny and i'll make sure that we tag you in the comments or tag you in the the video so that people can find you and then i'll put your um your facebook in the show notes when we finish the podcast so thank you again i'm gonna go ahead and say goodbye so thanks those of you who watched on live thank you 
Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences and produced by Agora Media. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.